podcast. Development proceeding. Acquire episode of The Rewinders. Abner Ravenwood, U.S. Nazis have discovered podcasts. Just what does that mean to you? Uh... Podcasts. Well, oh, city of podcast. One of the possible resting places of the Lost Ark. The Lost Ark? Yeah, the Ark of the Covenant, the chest the Hebrews used to carry around the Ten Commandments. What do you what mean, do you ten mean commandments? The... You're talking about the Ten Commandments? Yes. Hi, I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. We're the Rewinders Podcast, rewinding and rebooting movies to see if they hold up. And this time, we are opening Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I'm going to preface this. I completely forgot that we had to watch this movie, and I was in laying in bed, and I'm like, there's something I was supposed to do today. <laughs> that was at 1130 last night. I got to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, I've been there. Because I forgot how god-awful long this movie is. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is a long movie. Just when you think it's done, there's more. Oh, wait, there's it happens more. twice. Yeah. Packing up the Ark, yeah, getting on the boat. Oh, nope, not done yet. They definitely tried to uh, enable the three-act uh, set, or however many acts that was. I haven't counted. Mm-hmm. Nine. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. So I'm sure we all have a history with this movie, I'm oh, assuming. Oh, of course. How, how could you not? Yes. I guess. It's a movie what? I've watched. What? What? <laughs> so you're, are you not a big Indiana Jones fan, Dan? Not nearly as much as Rothy. Oh. I mean, that's like, hard. I, I am, but like it doesn't hold a particularly soft place in my heart. Yeah, you chose poorly. <sighs> Wait, was that the one we were supposed to watch? That was the wrong movie. No, we were supposed to watch Temple of Doom. I thought that's where we were starting off. <laughs> no! <laughs> we had to talk about Kalima! this. <laughs> we discussed this at, a, at, at length. length. Yes! <laughs> I thought we discussed Machete Order, damn it! Anyways. <sighs> right, machete's not even on our list, but that one was rebooted. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Oh man, that that's that's like early two thousands. Yeah, watch yeah. that yet? Actually, late twenty thousands. Oh man, because it was after Grindhouse, so it would have been like twenty twenty oh nine, twenty ten. Yeah, that's true. It was after anyway. Grindhouse. That was a fun movie theater anyway. experience. Anyways, so yeah, trailer for this film uh, after nostalgic moments. So Dan has no attachment. Ken, I know you enjoy indie. You you dressed as him. I didn't say so, I didn't enjoy it. Several Come times. on now. No, no, Dan, Dan hates Indiana Jones. I do not hate Indiana Jones. I, I like Indiana Jones. I, I mean... I like Indiana Jones so much, I enjoyed young Indiana Jones. That's right. Whoa. That's right. Oof. Uh, I don't know, Joe, your attachment to Indy? <laughs> I've seen all of the movies except what I consider into the reboot or re-jumped, uh, you know... 20 years later, try it again kind of oh, thing. No. I haven't seen those. Oh, no. Yeah, you haven't seen the Crystal Skull? Oh, no. Oh, no, okay. Joe. Don't, don't I, do it, Joe. I envy you. Don't I envy it. you so much. It's because so bad. I, sorry, I always held the Indiana Jones movies as a perfect fucking trilogy. And the perfect capstone and, like, the example for everything else for me personally was The Last Crusade. The Last Crusade was an absolutely phenomenal movie to cap off a trilogy 
And it was incredible knowing that those three movies existed. I always thought back fondly and thought, wow, they really finished those movies perfectly. And then Crystal Skull came roaring on the screen. And, just <laughs> <laughs> and then you found out what perfection could be. Mm-hmm. I am going to watch <laughs> Crystal Skull for this podcast. I'm so excited for you. I'm, I'm so excited for you. Let's <laughs> say, Joe, okay, that, you're going to have the benefit of having their anger at the movie. <laughs> you, will, you will enjoy this movie up until the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes? I'd say maybe a little longer. It's, it's pretty much like right when... Okay, so no spoilers without spoiling. I mean, the beginning, it's a little bit funky and it, it makes you feel weird, but... I would say a little longer than the last because the second they start going through the jungle, yes, and and some of the questionable effects on that, that's and when that's it starts when it getting goes off the rails. Yeah, yeah, not just the last like part where everybody's like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" It's it's that whole last jungle transition scene. I'm gonna assume we're gonna need a whole episode just for Crystal oh, for Skull sure, for it. sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's a movie I have things to say. Yes, about. That, I have a lot of very um, dirty things. There there were things of there were things of questionable uh, origin in in before even the jungle yeah. scene. However, um, <laughs> actually, now that I'm thinking about it, watching this movie and then the crazy stuff that he got up to in Crystal Skull, you can definitely see where people are like, no, that's. I mean, they take the. Uh, Suspension of disbelief to yeah, brand new levels. And, and, and I know this is a different medium, but I can definitely feel that with um, uh, Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, the video games. So I played the original remake, the one that came out for... Uh, God, when was that? Like 2014, 2013? Whatever that was. I loved that game. It was a great origin story for Laura, Laura, uh, Lara Croft. And it got things off to a great start. And... It was it was good. Suspension of disbelief was kind of like 50-50. Yeah, there were some over the top scenes, but it's good. For the first time, I don't know why the hell I chose to pop this in. Maybe it's because I just watched Indiana Jones. I threw in the sequel to that, not Rise of the Tomb Raider, but the one in between. And I started playing that yesterday. Within the first fifteen minutes alone of that game, you've got her falling out of uh, falling out of trucks that are being blown up by helicopters immediately careening off of a freaking ice shelf and things like that and just an avalanche coming at her and all this crazy crap and that's seriously about the first 15 20 minutes it's like the woman can't get into a vehicle drive down the road without it being blown up exactly exactly and it's just like that's that's a perfect example of like the difference between old indiana jones versus crystal skull because it's just like well how do we all do what we already did maybe you don't always have to Uh, my little side rant i'm sorry I was just in. I was in disbelief. It's all part of it. So I, I enjoyed the trailer. Just to bring us into focus, I really enjoyed the trailer. I feel like the trailer did a really good job of making me want to watch this movie, even though I've already watched. I would agree. I think the only thing that I would say is that the trailer seemed a little bit more heavy towards the horror aspect. It felt more like a horror movie being advertised versus an adventure film. I mean, yeah, you got the shots at the end with Indy running and in the jungle and tribes and stuff like that. So that's cool. But overall, it just had this really wicked horror tone with the music, with the way that they actually like showed some of the <laughs> some of the scenes cropped up. It was just, I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was playing really heavily on the horror aspect. I say, to be fair, there is a lot of what would be horror images. Oh, absolutely. In this movie. But when taken into the grand scheme context of the entire runtime, it's it's so minimal. I mean, I mean, you have the snakes, you have you know the ending scene, things like that. But it's overall not that type of movie. Yeah, it's also not played off at to be horror. It's 
played off to be scary. It's played off to be like, there's real yeah. threats here. This is... They're Nazis, Ken. <laughs> that's... I mean, that's a whole other thing. I was talking about the snakes. Oh, Nazi snakes. Nazi snakes. <laughs> that's... Th- Nazi that, right, monkeys. that right there is probably one of the yeah. points that I have that I like about this movie. It's supposed to be a period film, but the way that it plays, it could be any time. Except there's Except Nazis. Except there's Nazis. Yeah. Except yeah. There's Nazis, and, and, and Nazis like, Hitler. There's Nazis and old planes and Hitler. old cars. They could be easily replaced with a different bad guy. Like, the Nazis are not, they're not overtly Nazi, except for the few times that you see a swastika. Like, you don't see guys in SS suits, they're just in, they're just in military Regular guard. soldier. Yeah, when you, when you really look at it, I mean, the Nazis, yes, they are a villain in this movie, and they are evil, obviously, and they need to be stopped, but, I mean, I'd argue that Belloc is the, the main villain. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And he's just a Frenchman, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, the Nazis are just a way for him to get the power to be able to continue what he's doing, which is what he does in this movie. Actually, yeah, we can get to that when things I like. I didn't watch the trailer. I forgot. Go figure. It's been a few months. I'm good. Okay. I'm not a big fan of a uh, of voiceovers. Yeah. That goes through the whole yeah. thing. So that oh, part of it, I it. I kind of got bored because it was a long trailer and the voice just didn't let anything happen. Mm-hmm. There were no scenes just being themselves. And the repeats. I, I think I counted two. I could be wrong, but just, you know, the exclamation. Exp- ah. Exclamation out of absolutely nowhere of just Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> just, I, I giggled the second time it happened. It's like, okay, cool. He's, he's shouting the name of the film, shouting it out. But yeah, it was, it was a pretty mediocre voiceover, I'd say. Aww, so are you telling guy. me that they did the modern podcast of uh, the advertisements where they have to say the uh, website or wherever you're supposed to go to five times in a row? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, Just so, so you remember, remember it. Yep. So who wants to pitch this movie? No one. <laughs> who like who who did it last? Was it Rothy? I did. Ken, yeah. Ken. And then Rothy did the one before. I don't think so. I haven't I haven't done one and in a I while. Think, did I do the yeah, one before? I think before? you did the one before. I don't I don't Whoa, so is it my turn? It's either Joe or Randy. Alright, okay. I can do it. Because next time I know for sure mine's next time. Alright. Which is okay, because I can totally I can totally do a a step for the next video. I got plans. All right, gentlemen, you want to make a movie? Uh, movie. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, Money's at all time. I hate movies, but go ahead. All right. I was drinking with Harrison Ford last night, and he told me that he does not get enough of punching Nazis in life. And I said, I mean, Harrison. What is he talking about? He's been punching Nazis in space for years. said, I mean, guess I was using a gun, but don't worry about this. I gun punch to space. This is this is five tequila shots in at this point, and I said, Harrison, I'll tell you what, I'll get the guys back at the studio to make a movie where you can punch Nazis, and he said, Good. So I'm here, and my premise is we're gonna put Harrison Ford. All across the world. And why is he all across the world? Because he's got to find stuff. This is not like a Carmen Sandiego situation. This is not like a uh, time-appropriate pop reference thing. (laughs) It is an archaeological thing. 
where he's going to go into jungles and find crazy stuff, get chased by natives. He's going to go into the desert and he's going to dig with people and he's going to find things. And in the meantime, the Nazis are going to be there and get in his way and he's going to say, not today, Nazi, and then kapow! Punch him right in the face. Sound good? I do have a strong affinity for punching Nazis. Yeah, I can get behind that. Every day is a good day to punch a Nazi. It's just the kind of American thought we need. Cool. So we in? I figure let's throw some religion in there too, because then we get all the bases. Yeah, but oh, uh, let's let's pick the most popular one in the United States. Uh, Christian, Christian. Theology, oh, you got right? it. Perfect. It also, I guess, it could be Jewish as well because it's Old Testament. I just, I just have one request. Harrison Ford's coming hot off yes. them Star Wars movies. Uh, how about? Well, we get something else. Uh, maybe Tom Selleck. If I pull this out from underneath his feet now, I'm a dead man. He will come flying over my house with an airplane and crash it into my house. I know this man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take that risk. It's a Harrison Ford or nothing. <laughs> uh, we can yeah. Yeah, we can soften him up with a lady sidekick. Kind of thing. But she doesn't have to be in the whole movie. We can just sprinkle her in here and there. Carrie Fisher? If she's going to be sprinkled into like this kind of stuff, she better yeah, be Carrie Fisher. Tough. Let's get Carrie Fisher in this. No. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get Carrie Fisher just, just from... I was drinking with Carrie Fisher the night before, and she told me to f- fuck off. So I don't think she wants anything to do she with this. She asked for a singing scene. It was weird. Where, where are these wonderful places you're going to drink? I mean, if she <laughs> told you to fuck off, was that was that out of out of kindness? I would assume. I I mean, we weren't doing tequila shots that night. We were we were doing Yegi bombs, and it was probably about like six in, and um, we were arm wrestling, and then I was like, hey, I'm going to make a movie with Harrison Ford, and she's told me to fuck off. So we're, we'll have to go with someone else. Okay. Um, anybody got any good ideas? I would give you a good idea if I wrote down her name, but I did not. So, Google. Joan Rivers. <laughs> Nancy Kerrigan. Uh, how about... Karen Allen. Who? I, I don't know. It was the first we, name that came to my head. throwing names out there? And like, she was in, uh, oh, um, oh, she was in the Sandlot. I mean, that was afterwards, but. <laughs> you can't go back in time or forward, forward in time. time. Wait a minute. <laughs> anyway. Uh, she was in an Al Pacino movie called Cruising and Split Image. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She, movies I don't know. She's good for punching people. Yeah, she should punch Harrison Ford. So vicariously, she can punch Nazis. And then get locked in airplanes. Does that sound good, gentlemen? Yeah, why not? Let's give it a try. It's definitely worth reading the first draft. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Let's see how the public likes it. Yeah, this is just for Harrison for now. But if the public likes it, we'll see what happens. So who are we going to get to produce? I mean, we could leverage Lucas. How about Spielberg? Oh, I thought we were talking to Lucas. Oh, How no. about Lucas and Spielberg? Oh, I like that. Let's Those names that. go good separately. Put them together. Kapow! Success. Yeah. 
Here we can get that Star Wars guy to do the music again. Yes. <laughs> I I have the name Hans Christian Andersen stuck in my head, and that is no, not his John name. No, it's John Williams. <laughs> Thank you. It's also not Hans Zimmer. But yes, all of the above. Boop, boop. Yeah. And I feel like it would be a pretty easy pitch to be like, let's get Harrison Ford to put, punch some Nazis. And we'll set it in fantastical. I mean, George Lucas is a big name at this point. Did he have anything to do with this, or am I? Yeah, just it was, it was originally Lucas and uh, Spielberg's idea. They they got together and and came up with the whole spiel. Okay. And then they originally didn't want Harrison Ford because Lucas had just got done using him and didn't want to basically bring him into yet another thing. Because yeah, people would get tired of him. They felt like it was just too easy to bring him over. Yeah. Break him break him away from yep. Han. But he he did such a damn good job. He just gave it to him anyways. And if I were, if that weren't the case, I would definitely be uh, blaming South Park for that because they put uh, Spielberg and Lucas together to redo Raiders yep, yep. in the re-re-re-release where they replace the guns with walkie-talkies, <laughs> which is actually, whenever I want to watch this movie, it's because that scene pops in my head. That entire episode is <laughs> just gold. Uh, I still haven't seen that but E.T. cut. That yeah, e. I never saw that E.T. cut, but I always wanted to. <laughs> uh, I watched it once. And that was it. Yeah, it's, that's an actual reference. It's a joke because they edited E.T. to make it more family-friendly after, years after release. And I, I can't remember what cut it was, but they replaced digitally all of the fucking guns in the movie that the like the feds and the police had with fucking walkie-talkies. <laughs> <laughs> Little side tangent. My favorite part of the DVD that had that cut also had a cut with the live orchestra playing with the movie. And my favorite part about that was the credit sequence that at the beginning comes up and everyone's cheering for every name. And then I think the editor came up and there was dead silence. And I was like, oh, (laughs) what did you do? Just random tangent. Random side note, you guys got to see the picture I just sent over because they literally edited out a whole <laughs> shotgun and replaced it with a walkie-talkie. <laughs> I mean, my God. <laughs> oh, my. I can't load anything that's, when I do this. I'll see it afterwards. That's so good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Talking about what makes this movie likable or things that you enjoy about this movie this is going to be fairly easy i assume yeah i was just i'm going to start off just overall with the movie it seems like a really good place to start you start off with the movie he goes does his tomb raiding solves some puzzles gets backstabbed person who backstabs him gets his own and then he gets out and then he gets backstabbed or uh belloc ends up stealing the thing from him and he barely escapes which is basically the entirety of the movie, again, done in a very short story. So they basically set up, here's the f- uh, format that we're going to do for this story. And now we're going to do it much longer. And it's kind of a cool way to set up a movie and uh, really set the uh, Indiana Jones character, exactly what he's all about and uh, his strengths and weaknesses. Oh, yeah, right from the get-go. I mean, he's running away from a tribe, you know, keeping his cool in, in the uh, temple and everything. And then, boom, snake. Yeah. I mean, right from the get-go, you know this dude's afraid of something that a lot of people are. Reggie. It's a snake. And you don't have to give it a uh, a origin of why he's it scared is. of snakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a normal fear. It's that really nice. It's, it's kind of refreshing not having somebody like, you know, 
childhood experience and why they're traumatized of spiders. It's just spiders are fucking creepy, man. I don't like them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. This this movie was definitely one of the catalysts for my fear of spiders, specifically the scene with all of the Oh, trenches. for sure, for sure. But they're fuzzy and that cute. That was great. They're fuzzy and cute now, yes, but when I was 10 years old, that's <laughs> terrifying. Being covered in giant spiders. No thanks. I'm good. Spiders can stay outside. And I, I'm going to quick mention that even though in the series of indiana jones they they are not remaking each movie specifically but raiders of the lost ark the intro sequence has already been remade it's in the movie uhf yes indeed yes indeed the whole time i was watching it i was like that's where silly face is that yep. This happened. He takes the idol and everything starts falling. He should have had a rock hit his head. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the first thing that I noticed was whatever film they used, the opening cr- opening credits into the beginning of the the temple scenes just look they, they look different to me. And I don't know if it's because I was watching an HD stream or what, but it's just. Compared to some of the other movies from the same time, the cinematographic quality is much higher. Oh, for sure. They definitely uh, nail the cinematography, just the quality in general, but then also like the uh, audio. Oh my God, that's that's one of the first things I was going to bring up is the audio. So many of the movies we have is is that like you can understand what he's saying at all time. There's not this weird audio fluctuation that masks the words that people are are saying that. We're in a lot of yeah. No, absolutely. Watching. The sound design with THX still blows me away. I mean, there's still little things that catch off to the side on a single speaker in my setup, and it's just in, it's it's unreal to me. It does help that a lot of this movie seems to have been uh, shot on a soundstage. Mm-hmm. You take that or back. Something because like there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, obviously stage props. No, it's all real. All uh, of it. We can get that into the not so good area, but uh, it definitely helps that they were. Uh, able to control the environment a little bit to get the better shots. I'm sure there's a different quality for when he's actually out in the woods and like in the uh, Arab cities driving around him. I'm betting there's a slightly different quality to the movie, but maybe not. I wasn't paying that close attention to how grainy the film was. And sometimes grain is good. There's nothing wrong with grain. Yeah. But also they probably went through and cleaned it up because that's what that's what they do these days. I like how the movie is based off of like serials or comics that they would have grown up with as kids, the filmmakers, and that it really embodies that style, even though it's a different medium. And that goes with the outlandishness of some of the action and stuff that comes with the movie. I thought that was really well presented in this film. Agreed. I agree. I got a bunch of other little little tiny notes about the movie. Uh, just that, like, you get iconic Indiana Jones scenes in the first ten minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, yeah. Anytime after this movie has come out, like, you think Indiana Jones, you got him switching the idol with a bag of sand, you get him getting chased by a giant rock, yeah. like... Yeah, you got Indiana Jones doing Indiana Jones. Yeah, the Nepal scene. I was was surprised because the kid hadn't seen any Indiana Jones movie for probably, I'd say, the last five, six years. Uh, The last time that we went through the trilogy. And he specifically watched this one with me. And the whole time he's sitting there on pins and needles, he's like, when's the gunfight happen? When's the big fight happen? Because he was expecting that scene in Nepal 
because he had remembered it that vividly for the first time he watched it, even though it had been five, six years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> beat for beat, he was pumped. Are we talking about the infamous scene where he was sick, and then he just shoots the No, that's, the that's Egypt. Uh, n- no, no, the Nepal the Nepal scene is where oh. the, the bar shootout. Like, he was so excited to see that shootout again. Oh, yeah. right, right. That is pretty early in the movie. Funny enough, he did say that he wishes that the fight scene would have happened, but obviously it's a much, much funnier turnout. I love the way that that worked out. And then when he uh, goes visits mm-hmm. Balak in uh, Egypt and the monkey steals his gun and he doesn't use his gun for the rest yeah. of the movie. Little things and like that. And then it's like a it's like a slow burn for the rest of the trilogy. The next time he goes to do this, he reaches for his gun and his holster's empty. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. There's a lot of things they got very right with this movie and then carried on to the series, such as... Like, the theme music matched up with the map and the red line. It's very iconic to the series, and on top of it, it makes you feel like an adventure is about to happen or is in the process of happening. Yes. Yeah, and it definitely outlines the fact that he's like he's on a trip around the world to uh, do all this stuff. So it widens the scope of the movie. It makes it actually feel like you're going places. And it's actually like going on an adventure, which is really cool. That and the movie doesn't sit around too long to tell you anything. At most, it took two scenes for introducing the U.S. government men and then the, hey, they agreed to send you overseas, pack your bags. That was like the slowest part of the movie. There's a scene where he's teaching a class, moves to army men, told he's going to go overseas, and then he goes. Him teaching the class is one of the most confusing things I have because I, I'm always so bored and I can never tell you what he's talking about that, but all the girls in that class seem to think that he's some sort of <laughs> sex pot. And I just, I don't understand why why they think that. Sorry, that might be in uh, things I don't like, but it's also really yeah. nice. I, I don't know. So, it is I, I appreciate I like. it because my wife ran out of the room and immediately came back in, sat on the couch with I love you eyes, and it, it made me laugh. <laughs> Aww. I know. Dan? Oh, we're, I mean, we're, we're hitting on a bunch of notes that I already have, so I can't really add anything. Unless well, sure you, jump- you can. What about Marion? When they first introduce her, she's amazing. She's a little spitfire. She punches Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. She, can, she can stand on her own two feet. When it's to, it comes to Indiana Jones, unfortunately, it's only because of J- Indiana Jones that she can yeah. do that. Any other time, she's crying out for Indiana Jones, which is, I guess, the negative part. Like They don't keep her as strong and independent the entire time. I didn't even catch that until he said that, so as much as she that makes me sad now, Ken. I realize you're right. <laughs> I mean, she is kind of... Uh, she's a planner. She knows how to use her uh, charm and skills to get out of situations. And it's. I think it's, it's the case of, A, she's not designed to be equal to Indiana Jones. So they kind of have... To, they felt like they had to, you know, hobble her a little bit. Because otherwise... Marion as a character is really freaking awesome. She's a single woman running a bar in Nepal. And out drinking a lot of And people. she can drink the guys under the table, which that is That alone is huge. So, I mean, yeah, the fact that she ends up tied up and in a basket for three quarters of the movie sucks. But yeah, it's not Marion and the Lost Ark. Right. I guess she doesn't have... She's doesn't... Just because she is strong and all that fun stuff doesn't necessarily mean that she is stronger than people who are going to be carrying her around. She she has her uh, 
She has her cunning, which is her strong suit. Yeah, but she is a wonderful addition to this movie. She really is. I really, I, I do. Yeah, like I can't imagine this movie without her. And then uh, Indy's friend, who I'm not entirely certain how he knows his friend. Oh, Sala, yes. Sala? Sala's great. Sala's, again, just one of those characters that just rounds out the movie and makes it. I, I can't imagine the movie without him either. Like, obviously, for reasons, it makes sense for the story-wise. Uh, he wasn't in Temple of Doom, but I'm glad that he came back in Last Crusade, and we at least got to see his character one more time. Because, yeah, I, I, I left Raiders of the Lost Ark... Loving his character, loving his interaction, his his relationship and history with Indy, just uh, it's, it's it's like a side like a sidekick, but a smart sidekick. I freaking loved it. Yeah. Now, I mean, we could go on at how cool a Nazi monkey is and stuff like that, but or how they have uh, just the different ways in which they they keep action moving in the in the film and whatnot. We know, we we know we like those things. So, what are the things that? don't work so well in this movie submarine i'm 32 and i still don't get it how does indy survive (laughs) hundreds of miles underwater on the top of a submarine i still don't get it you assume they went underwater they didn't go underwater that's the only thing that could have happened or else he puts his uh or else they're just just below the water and he like hooks his whipper on it and just hangs on for dear life (laughs) but uh yeah that's that's a big problem for me whenever i'm watching movies like what they didn't submerge. That's like the most, I feel like submarines are a lot more efficient when they're traveling under, under the water. And that's the point of a submarine is to be under the water, not, not being seen. Oh, Oh, but otherwise I feel like they're just using it like a regular boat. I mean, a U boat. I I found it. I found it. Everybody. It was a, it was a cut scene that was crucial to the understanding of how he survived. (laughs) (laughs) In the script, it says, exactly, in the script, it says, Indy climbs a ladder to the top of the turret and braces himself between the two uprights there, the seven-foot radio mast and the 20-foot periscope. Still, the ocean comes up to meet him. Soon, the top of the turret is underwater and the radio mast is disappearing. Indy shifts his grip to the periscope, working his way up and hanging on for dear life as the ocean whips at his body. The periscope is quickly going under. Indy hangs on the top three feet, all that remains above the water. Gotcha. So he's hanging so, on the periscope the whole time. Yeah, so the sub only really went about 17 feet below the water for the rest of the trip. Yeah, it, I say, it doesn't have to go too deep, but in order to stop the uh, wave cavitations pushing against the boat, they have to go under the water somewhat. Yeah. So that explains it. That. <laughs> so good on Indy to be able to hang on to a periscope mast for, you know, hours. Yeah. Uh, well, it also says, <laughs> it also says uh, no more periscope goes under. Indy smiles. It's a pretty good smile, too, given the circumstances. Indy pulls out his bullwhip and begins tying himself to the periscope. Yep. Yeah, like I okay. said. The okay. Whip. The whip is yeah. the I guess greatest. Th- that was kind of necessary. Anyway. Why they cut it? That, that is good oh, my God. There's, it's... there's actually an image. There's a single image. Gentlemen, feast your eyes. We have an answer after all these years. <laughs> Boom. There's Indy. <laughs> That's amazing. He's not wearing a hat, though. That makes me sad. He didn't actually have his hat. Um, I noticed that when oh, he swam right. over. Hat, well, yeah, when lost. he swam over to the uh, sub, his hat was missing. He didn't have time to grab his hat or his jacket or anything. Yeah, but he did grab his whip because it's always there. Absolutely. Got to make sure he got that whip. It's the most useful thing he has. Yeah. The other thing that I that really got me was during the fight scene... With the flying wing, after all the fight scene and and the 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 big the big Nazi getting blended by the the propellers, 
Indy shoots the cockpit glass to unlock the cockpit. Now, the glass doesn't break. There's no shattering. There's no bullet holes. There's wait, no wait, nothing. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. He shoots Does at- he shoot the glass? Because I, I swear he shot the lock next to the glass, the lock that was actually on the wing. The lock is the, inside the yes, cockpit. The lock is inside the cockpit. He just kind of shoots the Also, plane. that was the weakest uh, gunshot sounds ever. I at that. Scene. I didn't make the comment. It was that was all Ken. I didn't make the comment. Uh, that but gun I know it came from you. Has Ken. various gunshot noises the entire movie, and also yes, it never needs to be reloaded. Yeah. Nope. It's a revolver. They don't um, reload. Speaking. The bullets. Speaking on sound design, while I could while I could sit here and inflate whoever the sound designer's ego was all day, I, I understand it was a different time, and I understand they were going for something, but nowadays i'm so sick and tired of the old school loud ass punch sounds i just I can't take it anymore it's so rough <laughs> we're also talking about sound design can we talk about reused star wars sound effects oh for sure yeah the uh the laser bl- bolt blast i mean it's lucasfilm so obviously they're gonna bring over some assets but the engine misfiring that's what i'm talking about star wars that's what i'm talking about the engine misfiring that, that yeah. they used in the airplane and then they used another one when the the generator goes nuts when they after they open the arc I I stopped I stopped keeping track. It just <laughs> in, in the truck chase scene when he rams a vehicle, the truck growls. It's like, well, it's like I, I would expect it is, to. Is that the same scene where they uh, where they run over a ca- the one of the people who are hanging on the truck, and then after the truck's already passed, the uh, arms and legs flail up from behind the rocks. They did what they could with the time, Ken. Okay. <laughs> it's just that part always cracks me up just because it's such a delayed response to the truck running them over. It's a little off. It's it's fun. It makes you giggle. But yeah, it's it's definitely not realistic. Right. If they would have done that while the truck was running over him, it would definitely have been like, oh, yeah, the truck didn't run over him. He's sitting laying right next to the truck. Yeah. Nah, it's, he, it's obvious he's not under the vehicle it's, it's, at all. He just missed his cue. It's fine. But that's what makes this movie able to be watched <laughs> at a younger age than others. Uh, you you say sentence. you say that about a movie with melting people at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that definitely goes into one of my favorites. It was a uh, definitely an alarming scene when I first watched it uh, younger, but mm-hmm. now as a adult, it's, it's just so alarming. great. Oh yeah, it's 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 alarming. That's for sure. <laughs> I I just watch it as like thinking about what they made the faces out yeah. of. Yeah, there's there's a whole the cuts and all that how stuff. long it took them. There's to a whole behind the scenes on that and <laughs> there's there's a whole like documentary that delves into that. It's it's interesting to watch if you get around to it. Nice. I'll have to look it up. But yeah, it's uh it's unsettling, as it should be. Outside of the submarine and outside of the sound design in terms of the punching and a couple of stolen assets. <laughs> well, borrowed assets I should say. I can't think of crazily anything else that comes to mind. Um, there is a distinct lack of Sean Connery. That's the last crusade. Doesn't matter. That You can't criticize it for that. Okay. I'm gonna. Let's... At this point in the game, he wasn't even part of the series. Yeah. Let's go back to the sound stages, I guess. When he's doing the jump over of the rock pit uh, and he's hanging off the edge. Yeah. You see his legs flailing. He kicks a painter's tarp and the rocks start flailing. Yeah, I always thought that the spider web was kind of a net net look to it. <laughs> there's that. Yeah, um, there's little when, things like that. When he goes into the uh, temple, which the Christians stored their ark in a temple full of Anubis, which is weird. There's also a lot of snakes in there. And there's like maybe two or three of them are moving. The rest are all rubber snakes just 
coiled and piled in a in a in a lump. This is before he starts them on fire, because then it would make sense because they're all dead. So I, like there are there are a couple of things on the set design like, where he's digging the thing up and got the storms behind him. It's very stylized. I think that's what they were going for. Indiana Jones didn't look like he was actually in the storm, but but it looks yeah. a little rough now. Yeah, yeah, it looks rough now, but it's also I think the stylized. Uh, I'm I'm not entirely certain what kind of film that is, but the kind of film that uh, Sky Captain tried to emulate and ended up overdoing. So that sky reminds me of Poltergeist because they have a similar effect. Yes, in that movie. yes. And when they cloud, front. when they open the arc, that's also rather Poltergeisty in that way too. Oh. You so. should say Poltergeist reminds you of this movie because Poltergeist came out the year after. <gasps> also, I haven't seen that movie. And and Steven Spielberg quote unquote didn't direct Poltergeist in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but he did the story and helped with the sure. screenplay and produced it. It's been uh it's it's been hotly debated for years that he was kind of handsy when it came to wanting to direct certain portions and scenes. Like he just was itching to direct and the director was just telling him no constantly because it was his movie. <laughs> but there's there's speculation that some scenes were in fact directed by by Steven Spielberg. Some things that I, I consider kind of rough about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, even though it's a good thing that they captured the essence of the serial or, or comics, the bad part with that is that these serials played up American exceptionalism because that was their audience, that was basically what they did. So in turn, this movie minimalizes local people and culture glorifies the removal of artifacts from their home countries and taking them away to America in this case. And yeah, for sure. It definitely uh, glorifies stealing other people's cultures, which is <laughs> yeah, probably not something we should go about doing. And along with that, all the speaking roles in the Egypt scenes went to white people. No real people from that part of the world had uh, speaking roles. So, for instance, Sala is Welsh. He's a Welsh yeah. actor. And then they went to a wise man to get the amulet checked out. That is a Norwegian gentleman playing that role. So a little bit of... Product and... of its time. Product of its time. Yep. I mean, this uh, it's Doesn't it's necessarily well make it right. It doesn't make it right, but that's what happened in in films is made by Americans is that they don't hire people from other cultures to speak basis basically. So it has that going on, and on top of it, none of the characters grow during the movie. None of them make any huge character shifts. They are who they yeah, are. Yeah, and that's kind of disappointing for Indy too because they set it up in the beginning of the movie that he's. He doesn't believe in that superstitious mumbo jumbo, and like he just kind of like brushes off uh, Brody's comments about you know being precautious in the beginning when he's when he's loading up to go out. And after everything he went through, and then to have that supernatural experience at the end of the film, you think that would have changed him in some way, or he would have felt something towards that? But I don't know, because because he totally at the beginning of the film makes it sound like he's never experienced anything like that before. And I mean, that's the closest thing we have to a dy dynamic character is that he, at the end, recognizes something's going to happen and that you need to shut your eyes until it's done. That's the only growth that really happens in the movie, character-wise. Yep. 
How do you guys feel about the argument that this movie doesn't even real, really uh, need Indiana Jones to uh, be in this movie? I mean, theoretically, yes, it because be. Belloc would open the arc either way and still die. <laughs> so the only difference—the only difference—is <laughs> that the uh, arc wouldn't have found its way into quote on or, or quote safety uh, in in the basement of some U.S. warehouse. So. I am fully on board that that is one of the coolest endings that anyone could have yep. written yes, for. Yes, that's my that, that was my item. last like favorite thing of favorite thing note for this movie was was that warehouse scene and then was it the early late early 2010s there was a there's a tv series that was based out of that warehouse and they make reference to the arc huh. oh right god was that warehouse oh what was the name of that tv series was that the one that was doctor who adjacent warehouse 13 oh uh, yep yep was the name of the was the name of the the name of the series what? It ran from July 2009 to May 2014 on Sci-Fi. Described as part X-Files, part Raiders of the Lost Ark, and part Moonlighting. Moonlighting? Weird. Yeah, Moonlighting. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. Uh, ultimately, apart from modern day take on the movie with its exceptional... Uh, you know the way the way that it was created, all that fun stuff. Generally speaking, it's a really well-made movie. They put a lot of thought into the way things should run, like keeping the monkey being evil, but also like the way it plays out. The monkey could have gotten caught several times being evil, but nobody was paying attention to it until like it narks out uh, Marion. But then it still all of the bad guys died in the end. All of them. All of the bad guys died in the end. Oh yeah, I suppose that was great. They killed all the bad guys. <laughs> it's a really well-made movie. It's well put together, well thought out, and uh, yeah, it's definitely a movie I go back to and watch quite often. I actually watched this a couple months ago just because South Park definitely checks the uh, holds up box for so me. That's two for holds up, Andy. Oh yeah, there's there's no way I can go back and watch this movie without a smile on my face. I I love this movie. It makes me feel a sense of wonder. Because, I don't know, a lot of Spielberg films did that for me as a child and still continue to. So. And I agree, this movie does hold up. Yeah, it's hard to say no to this. The HD upconvert, I think, did some good things for it. Except, you know, as always, when you make things HD that weren't HD to begin with, you see some of the faults a little bit easier. But I yep. do like that you don't see the reflection of the light in the window that separates the characters from the snakes. Yes, I noticed that this time around. Thank you for bringing that up. I didn't notice that ever. What? You could always see yeah, the reflection the, of the light. That's an old. That's an yeah. old Indiana yeah. trope. The the cobra is is not nearly as close as they. Well, it is that close, but there is there is a significant level of protection between both Marion yeah. and Indy. Because they, awesome. yeah. Because how else are you gonna film a live cobra between the two actors like that? Just, yeah. Did you guys also notice that when they're. Uh, they're in that temple and the snakes are pouring out of the wall and Indiana's like, hey, let's go through that wall. The uh, Where the snakes are coming out of the wall is a big smiley face. No. It's supposed <laughs> to be did, a skull. But speaking of that, did you guys also catch the R2-D2 hieroglyph? I missed it. Yes. <laughs> I miss it every time. I know it exists. It's there. It's R2. It's R2 and C-3PO. <laughs> There's one other thing I, do, I remember that I like about this movie. And uh, it's another one of those little things. It's the uh, where he's got the pendant in his hand and there's like the oh yeah the, the burn mark in his hand they re, rebuild the thing off that burn mark 
and they don't get the right spot because he's only got half of the information that he needs. Yeah, that was clever. It's just a wonderful bit of attention detail. Yeah. It's, it's a very clever way of building the movie. Yeah, no, that was absolutely great. And then on the flip side of that, I'd say a negative thing would maybe be the map room. The way the sun just quickly rises into that room. Yeah, the time be- from him uh, putting this thing, the thing in there to the sun adjusting to the exact spot it needs to go and then stays there for a while like that's that is a bit much and then it also it illuminates the room like no end so he actually doesn't know where the thing was uh lighting up from it was really bright how could he see it yeah yeah that's a pedantic uh (laughs) making jokes (laughs) well in this case we're not going to cover the reboot because we'll probably have a full episode episode yes dedicated to going over uh what has already been done in Mm -hmm. uh, what i'll call a reboot of the series and what possibly is still yet to come because they say they want to make more yeah and i I really want you to have a fresh take after seeing kingdom of the crystal skull to see where you feel things are going to go how they could go all that good (laughs) stuff like i have an idea there's just so much to talk about with that seriously now we have two more movies we got to watch first yep yep we'll get there I'm actually thoroughly excited to go back and watch Temple of Doom because I feel like it gets a really bad rap, but it's an amazing movie. What? I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, this time, we have unearthed Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. We rewound it and re... Well, we didn't reboot it, really, but we... (laughs) I kind of mentioned a scene that got rebooted, I guess. So, if you could like, comment, subscribe, that would help our YouTube algorithm and any other sort of algorithm out there. If you could share this episode or other episodes with your friends, your loved ones, your enemies who may also like 80s movies, it would help us greatly. And then, come back in two weeks where we will talk Unsolved Mysteries and reboot it! With you. Oh, we'll rewind it too. I was gonna assume that we were gonna rewind it at least. Thanks, Dan. That's I part of the title, you know. <laughs> <laughs>